Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Jump in. But if you are... If you have not yet um, gotten the book, they are in the back, the Center Cove, kind of in that little booth right there. Make sure you get one. We've been walking through this over the past four weeks, um, and this is a resource to help you also walk with others. But as Joey said, this is our final in our four-part um, series on the estuary. It's, it's, it's basically what we're calling this church to be in continuation of really fulfilling the vision and mission of seeing gospel transformation impact the city. And so being the fourth part, we looked at three prior. If you remember, the first message was God's story, his story, rooted in the gospel. And then Jacob shared, uh, we are his. And life in community, rooted in the gospel, the good news of what God is doing in Christ Jesus, we in community now have an opportunity uh, to be on mission, mission forming disciples. And he talked about five practices, and this is in the booklet. Uh, and that was, we are his. And then last week, Joey uh, really pushed us to Luke chapter 10, Matthew chapter 28, and how we are sent by God and that the world is his. And today we culminate everything with the reality everything is his. And that's going to usher us into a life of worship. And so I want to read from Romans chapter 12. Usually we start from chapter 12 and read the first couple of verses, but I want to back up a little bit and begin in chapter 11, beginning in verse 33. So I'll read from uh, Romans. Did I say Luke? Okay, okay. I feel like I got Luke in my head now. All right, because we're we're shifting to Luke. So we're in Romans, Romans chapter 11. I'll begin from verse 33 and take us to chapter 12 uh, through verse 2, and it's on the screen behind. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how, ins- how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we are gathered this morning to submit ourselves to you, Lord. Uh, we, um, we, are, we stand amazed as we consider uh, your mercies, as we consider your love. And as such, Lord, help us to respond in worship. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Romans chapter 12, we see Paul, and he's making an appeal. 
He's begging. If you go back to the old King James, he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. He is pleading with his listeners. In Romans chapter 12, we don't have a command. He's not telling us that we have to do this. He's encouraging believers to do something in response to what the Lord has done. This is a response, and the response is simply to worship him. And so what Paul is going to do is he's going to take the language from temple worship, from the Jewish sacrificial system, and apply it to believers when he tells and tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God as worship. If you remember, Jacob introduced us uh, to this notion that we want to be a church made up of groups making disciples. We are on mission making disciples. And he said each group ought to embody five practices, one of which is worship. So when you think of the word worship, what comes to mind? Well, in the ancient world, uh, to worship meant to like bow down to something, to offer, to pay homage. There was an image or there was a deity and people worshiped that. I think in the modern view, oftentimes, at least me, when I hear the word worship, I often, what comes to mind in the modern time, when you hear worship, what, what comes to mind? Talk to me. Singing, right? In the modern context, when we think worship, we tend to think songs and praying, right? And so what is worship? And one of the things about worship is you can't worship without giving up something. There is sacrifice. Worship always involves sacrifice. And so for the readers or for Paul's audience in that day, they understood worship to be presenting something to God. Is that we ought to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, when you read this word present, it's the same word used in the Hebrew Scriptures of animals being presented to God in the tabernacle or in the temple. And we spent time a couple summers ago in Leviticus. We saw the Levitical code and the law in which they would bring animals to God in, in sacrifice to make atonement. And so if we were in, alive in that day, if we committed sin against God, we recognized that the punishment for sin was death. And so it was not to die, so it was not to be punished. We would take an animal. What are the animals that they would bring? They would bring Sheep, goats, turtle doves. You would bring an animal and present it before the Lord. And what would they do to that animal? They would sacrifice. What does that mean? They would kill that animal. That animal was brought before God uh, to make atonement on your behalf. Instead of you being punished, that animal would be punished. That animal represented us. It would represent my sin. And in those days, once you offered that animal as a sacrifice, you can go about your day. Worship was over, right? You brought your animal, you, you did your sacrifice, you gave it to the Levitical priest, and you were done until the next time you sinned, which would happen how many times? All of the, So you, you constantly had to be aware of the challenge of sin and how to find right standing before God. And that's the same language Paul says of us, that we ought to present our bodies. But notice what he says, as a living sacrifice. In the Hebrew Scriptures, there was no living sacrifice. 
There was no, you, you, you offer the sacrifice and it was over. Paul is saying, no, we ought to offer our bodies in the same way that these animals were offered before God, but we need to do it as a living sacrifice. In other words, I am going to present my body, my life, everything I am, I'm going to present it before God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm going to live my life in such a manner that I'm aware that I'm presenting it back to God. So that ought to impact how we live our lives. When we're talking about living life in the estuary, as we're talking about activating a body to make disciples in the world we live in, we have to take seriously how we live our lives. As Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And when animals in the Old Testament were offered before God, they had to be set apart. They had to be holy. They had to be without blemish. Just bring any animal, right? You couldn't go to like the local like five and dime store and find some cheap goat and say, let me offer this to God. It had to be the best. And look at what Paul says, that we ought to offer our bodies in the same way, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. What's fascinating is when you read New Testament, Jacob mentioned it, that, you know, they were, they were known as, they were called Christians, um, disciples earlier, but does it, what, are, what are some other terminology used to speak of followers of Christ? Does anyone know? What are, what are some of the other things you see in Scripture? Apostles, talk to me. Don't worry, the camera's not on. No one's going to hear you if you get the wrong answer. What else are they called? The way? The light? All right, the truth? All right, it begins with S and it rhymes with faints. Yes, you guys are on it. Believers were called saints. Paul would say, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints. They were called saints. What does it mean to be a saint? It literally means, who said that? (laughs) Wow, no problem. It's all good. It's all good. To be a saint literally means to be set apart. To be set apart for use by this is what the animal in the Old Testament, it was set apart, it was sacred, it was declared holy because it was set apart for God. And the community of believers understood their lives to be lives that are set apart to be used by God. Friends, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about life in the estuary. We're recognizing that our lives, not just as individuals, but as a community in our teams, in our groups. We are living our lives set apart for his use. Paul says, present your bodies a living sacrifice that is holy before God. As the believers in that day understood that to be true of their lives. And so Paul is saying, in essence, believers are taking on the role in the new covenant of what animal sacrifices did in the old. So he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And he says, in so doing, he says, by doing this, it is your, uh, ESV says, your spiritual, I think a, a better word is, it is your reasonable worship. And so Paul says, as you begin to unpack the depth and the riches of who God is, that the rightful response is to worship him and to worship him 
is by giving him our bodies. In fact, that's what I believe is the central idea of this passage, that when we consider the mercies of God, when we consider God's display of love, I think that's what we ought to often do. We need to remind ourselves of God's manifold love. This is why we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, to remind us of the goodness of God. And so when we consider the mercies of God, His display of love, the only reasonable thing to do is to respond in love. And a way we love Him, a way we worship Him, is to offer our bodies back to Him. It's to love Him back. And so for the Jewish convert, when Paul is unpacking this, He's saying, don't limit worship to an animal being brought to the temple. Give yourself to him. And I think for us, Paul would say, don't limit worship to what is happening on a Sunday morning. He says, offer your bodies 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All of life should be lived in response to God's love. Don't worship to what is done on Sunday. In fact, that's often the the, the paradox in which many people live in, right? Right? What do do I do on Sunday? I worship on Sunday, and what do I do Monday through Friday? I work. I go to school. I do everything else, and we, we split this up. Paul says you cannot do that. In light of God's mercies, live your life. Every day is an opportunity to worship Him. But maybe we're here, and maybe this idea of worship is a foreign concept, right? Worship, that's what religious folk do. I don't worship anything. I say we all do. Even if we don't call it worship, deep down on the inside, there is something that has ultimate value and worth in our lives. And we are willing to sacrifice so much for that one thing. It could be our careers. We'll sacrifice everything to pursue a career because we believe that career to be of ultimate worth, of ultimate value. It could be our possessions. It could be money. It could be the things we have. We may not call it worship, but because we ascribe ultimate worth and value to it, we sacrifice things to pursue it. In fact, as we said, as it relates to career, for many people, their career, their vocation, that was the thing. And then if you're watching the news, what is taking place country as it relates to work? It's called the Great Resignation. People are saying, I'm done doing this. The very thing that they thought was going to bring them satisfaction, people are dissatisfied. And people are leaving their jobs in their droves. And it's becoming like a, 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 what's the word? I want to say pandemic, but that's not the word. There's a movement where people are literally leaving. I, I got an email earlier this week where it says, and the church is not immune from that. People are resigning. And so this is where we got to be careful on what is the ultimate thing? What are we willing to give up things? You know, what is the ultimate thing that we're sacrificing for? Paul says it better be for God. And so in this passage, Paul says, present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. He is the ultimate thing. And so Paul is redefining worship. He says, in light of all that God has done, respond in worship. 
If I were to ask you, what has God done? What would be your response? You know what I would say? I would say I respond in worship because God has given me life through the death of his son, Jesus. That, that, that Jesus gave up his status, he gave up his glory to give me life. Jesus said no greater love than this for a man to lay down a life for his friend. And that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus did. You see, in the Old Covenant, the only way to stand right before God was to offer an animal as a sacrifice. And that animal, as we said earlier, represented you, represented me, and our sin. And it's this constant frustration every day of my life. I've done something that is offensive to God. I got to get a goat. I got to get a sheep. I got to get a turtle dove. I have to go to the temple. I have to offer sacrifices. I can't show up into the temple because I'm unclean. And constant living in this turmoil of I can't get it right. Temple or no temple, so many of us know that struggle. I'm trying to do right by God, but I can't find the means to do it. But God demonstrates his love for us that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Friends, there was no need for us to bring a goat or a sheep or a turtle dove. God offered his son, demonstrating his love for us. And in response, Paul says, give him your bodies. In response, we see all of life as an opportunity for us to worship him. This is the essence of the estuary, that we see every aspect of our lives, whether here gathered on a Sunday morning, whether it's Tuesday on a golf course, or if it's Friday watching TV, all of life is an, is an occasion for me to respond in worship to the Lord. And the best example of this, I think, is in the life of Abraham. Abraham, if you remember, Abraham had a similar commission. What does God say to Abraham? He says, go. Right? Just, just like Jesus says in the Great Commission, go. And Abraham goes to the place God will show him. He has no idea where he's going. To Liam's question, where is God sending you? Where is God sending me? Sometimes we may not know, but we respond and we go. And then Abraham does something very fascinating throughout his journey to be obedient to God's call. He does two things. He pitches tents and he builds altars. Why does he pitch tents? Because he's, he's a sojourner. He's passing through. He knows any given place is not his permanent place, so he builds a tent and he stays there. But another thing he does is he builds an altar. Why would he build an altar? To worship the Lord. Off of thanksgiving. But I think something deeper is taking place. God is saying Abra sending Abraham into a pagan land. And God says to Abraham, through you, all families of the earth might be blessed. Abraham, I'm going to use you to fulfill my purposes. God has a purpose for humanity, that humanity might experience shalom, that we might return to the garden. So Abraham, I'm going to begin with you and your family, wherever you are. I'm going to show up. And as I'm there, the prayer and desire, Abraham, the nations might be blessed. So Abraham is basically in enemy territory. These are lands dedicated to false gods. 
right? These are lands where they reject the notion of the one true God, and Abraham enters into their land, and guess what he does? He worships the Lord. And by worshiping the Lord in any given place, he's saying, Lord, this is your place. Friends, that's the opportunity we have. Think about the opportunities. Any place you name on planet Earth, especially if it is a place that is living contrary to the peace that God promises, we have an opportunity to show up there and to do what? Worship Him there. And by worshiping God right there in that place, we're saying, God, this is your place. Think about that. Think about your school. Think about your place of work. And so, so what, what does this look like? Very simply, and I'll, I'll, I'll close. Maybe your work environment is the place you feel like God is calling you to. And so you may not have a team necessarily, but you're part of a community group. Like a, it's a scattered mission. And so what do you do at work? You go there and you begin to worship the Lord there. And our sister said, what is worship? You can pray. And by praying in that environment, you're putting a flag there saying, God, this is your place. And so what would it look like for people of downtown Hope to be sent out on mission in teams making disciples? It means we can go anywhere. So you know what I'm going to do? I love to play golf. Austin, you asked me what I like to do. I like to play golf. So you know what I'm going to do? Every time I play golf, how many holes when you play golf? 18 holes. After you par out or birdie or bogey, double bogey, <laughs> triple bogey, pick up the ball, there's a flag there, right? So every time I touch that flag, I'm going to worship the Lord and say, Lord, this is your place. I'm going to do that with friends. I'm going to gather with other brothers and sisters that enjoy that, and we're going to just begin to worship the Lord. Say, Lord, this is your place. Through that, watch the expansion of his kingdom. This is the mission, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as we are transformed, offering our bodies as living sacrifices to Him, just watch what God would do. And so, what is life in the estuary? It's life on worship. I pray we do that, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's bow our heads. And so, Lord, this morning we offer our bodies back to you in response to the grace poured out in Christ Jesus. Use us, Lord, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. One of the things I...